This episode is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association of professionals in parking, transportation, and mobility. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hello and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Robert Farron, Assistant Director for Parking Services for the Department of Public Services at the City of Columbus. That was a mouthful, Robert. How are you doing today? Great, great. Thanks, Isaiah, for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining. And as faithful listeners will know, I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan, and I really hesitated reaching out to someone from the City of Columbus, but you know, I just have to ask, would I be welcome to, to the City of Columbus to park in your facilities at any time wearing my Michigan gear? Absolutely. Columbus is a very welcoming city. And, you know, if you, if you look at those last few games, Michigan fans are more than welcome. We, we've won our fair share the past decade. So absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think, you've, I think you've won them all really, but uh, no, that's, that's funny. But uh, I appreciate the, the welcome, welcoming spirit there in the city of Columbus. So I was looking at your, uh, your LinkedIn, your resume. I noticed you had a master's of art in geography. So I guess why geography and how did that turn into parking? Yes. So attended UNC Charlotte, go 49ers, my bachelor and master in, in geography. So I had, to, I had to geek out a little bit. I, I looked online, I had to dust off the cobwebs and, and remember that definition of geography. And so geography is a study of places and the relationship between people and their environments. And I certainly didn't think I was going to get in the parking industry when I was studying geography at UNC Charlotte. But when you think about parking management and what we do, it makes a lot of sense. We are looking at the transportation system in those places, and we're looking at how people move in the transportation system, how our cities are built, and, and parking is really the nexus of those two things. So again, I, I can't say that when I was studying geography in Charlotte that I would be landing in the parking industry, but in hindsight, it, it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. No, I think that's almost the definition of parking, what you described as geography. So I never really thought about it that way. And I'm studying for my, my planning certification credential, AICP, through the American Planning Association. I work in the municipal division, so I want to uh, speak with uh, more eloquence and have more credibility when I'm speaking to towns and cities about planning and parking and transportation. And so there's a big section on geography. And so I'm working my way through that, trying to learn as much as I can. So I may have to get some private lessons from, from Robert on geography. Absolutely. You know, so geography, it, it afforded me the opportunity. It's such a multidisciplinary subject. And again, parking is exactly that. We, we find ourselves in, in meetings that we're not even sure how we got there, but it's about everything from how development's occurring in our cities to zoning to mobility on demand services and everything in between. So it, it did, has set me up for all, all these wonderful positions I've been holding the past few years. Well, let's talk about those wonderful positions. So how did you go from UNC Charlotte in school to working in the parking industry? So my first job out of college was at the downtown business improvement district in Charlotte, worked on a wide range of projects, a lot of focus on economic development, business recruitment and retention, and also transportation and worked on a great project where we were attempting to make privately held parking publicly available. 
So really trying to dispel the myths of going to Uptown Charlotte was a scary place because you had to either work there or live there. And working with all those operators to essentially put their, their inventory on a public platform. And that, that got the edge going. It was interesting because again and again, people kept talking about parking and parking was either inhibiting or allowing economic development as we tried to bring in new companies. Every time a residential development was being proposed, they were talking about parking. That landed me a job in Denver. Uh, my wife and I made a great move to, to go to the Mountain West. Spent about seven years out there, uh, worked for the city and county of Denver, really uh, knee deep in parking management, managed the on-street parking programs there, worked in, in what is a very vibrant city that's experiencing tremendous growth. And with that comes that friction, right, between parking and established neighborhoods and business districts and, and all this new growth and development. That opportunity afforded me a, a really amazing, in my mind, once in a lifetime opportunity to move one town over to Aurora, Colorado, a suburb of over 350,000, uh, just east of Denver to, to start their parking program. That city was undergoing, again, immense change. A train line was going right through the geographic heart of the city, and the city had not historically managed parking. So they, they brought me on board to implement a parking plan, start a parking program from scratch, enforcement, paid parking, managing new paid parking facilities at train stations and a hotel conference center, and was uh, as much of a deep dive in all facets of parking as, as probably humanly possible. I did not know Aurora was that large, 350,000. So I have a a strange hobby where I like to visit famous memorials and tombstones of, of writers, authors, celebrities, presidents. But I believe Aurora, they had the, the shooting a few years back and they did a memorial at the, might've been city hall. They had these like birds flying, really beautiful, somber place. But I don't know if, if you know what I'm talking about. It was that at city hall when you were there or not, but really pretty place. Yes, absolutely. Um, that, that incident did happen right across from City Hall where our offices were and city came together. And, and yes, there, there is a really wonderful memorial on City Hall. Aurora is a great place. It's, it's home to one of the largest medical centers, certainly in that region. A lot of great research comes out of, of that area. And then um, Buckley Air Force Base is one of the largest Air Force bases. And, and just a, a great diverse community. One of the biggest takeaways that I had from that project was how do we educate folks on parking management in a city that had not really enforced parking much and it had not had paid parking. And one of the really great projects we worked on was working with the school system on translating our five ways to avoid a parking citation in English, Spanish, and also Amharic. So one of the largest Ethiopian populations and, and getting that information into book bags of those kids to come home to multi-generational families and have that information at the dinner table so that those folks were learning about the program and of course, essentially trying to avoid getting that parking ticket. I love that story. You know, that's, I'm always an advocate for, for things like that. Anything that shows people outside of the industry that it's, we're not out here to for gotcha tickets. We're not out here to try to write as many parking tickets as we can. 
that the city would be putting together a platform to say, hey, here's how to not get a parking ticket. Because it's about that compliance and in educating the customer to, to be in compliance for safety, for the meter, for turnover. So I, I really like that story. I've heard that before. And that's, uh, that's, that's a wonderful initiative there. And the other initiative I liked, I've heard about this case study. I don't know if, if you were part of this when, when it happened or if it happened after you left, but I have heard about that the Charlotte Uptown where they were deciding, do we need to build municipal garages? Because I don't know if they had a few or didn't have any. And they said, there's a lot of private garages. Could we brand them all as, as city garages or uptown garages, put together a, a uniform structure, uniform branding, push that information to, to customers? Because most customers feel more safe in a public garage. They don't feel like they're getting ripped off. They don't feel like they're getting booted if they don't pay, things like that. So is, is that the same story that I'm thinking about that you were involved with? Yes, absolutely. I, I, was on, I was on the early end of that project, getting parking operators to look over MOUs and get those signed and, and get infrastructure in the garages, signage on the both leading toward as well as on the garage facilities, getting the count systems linked up. It was one of the early, early projects that now is being replicated yeah. elsewhere to really unlock that parking to the person going to the theater. The person who was going to the Hornets game or the Panthers game who, who didn't come uptown much and try to break down that barrier to, yes, there, there's absolutely plenty of parking. We don't need to build more parking, please. Uh, let's make more efficient use of our parking. Yeah, you're right, because that was early on. And I remember that getting my attention and starting to recommend and try to implement that in some of our cities because, you know, usually the private operators are all on board. You mean the city's going to push parkers into our garage and help raise our revenue? Sure. I'm, I'm, where do I sign? You know, so I do have a hate to non sequitur here, but 49ers, you know, I know San Francisco, the 1849 gold rush, but why the 49ers for Charlotte? What am I missing? I get that question all the time. And I'm one of the few people in Columbus that wears a Charlotte 49ers Jersey. I may be the only Charlotte 49ers fan in Columbus, uh, but <laughs> it, it was, it's reflective of the pioneering spirit of the school, even though the, the term 49ers was about the gold rush in California. The fun fact, the initial gold rush in the U.S. was actually North Carolina. It was right in the backyard of Charlotte. So uh, between that, the school becoming a four-year institution in 1949 and being located on Highway 49, they just doubled and tripled down on it. So we, <laughs> oh, wow. a, we have a miner with an axe, and that's our, that's our mascot. And we've got a gold rush uh, theme across the campus. And you know what? It, it's, it's worked. I love it. I'm glad you, you had that answer because I, I was going to try to stump you there, but great answer. One thing I love about your career is because I, we're, we're similar ages and you've done a lot at such a young age. So when you were Aurora, you had to be pretty young there, starting this program from scratch in a city leadership position. Can you talk about the experience of being pretty young, running that program, starting it from scratch and getting buy-in from the, from the city? Sure. I, I've always had the ability to to fake my age mostly because I've been graying early so I, I will I'm gonna ride that as long as I can um, <laughs> it was it was a great experience leadership was amazing uh, I was immediately put on the public works management team direct connection to the city manager's office and the mayor everyone was excited you know managing parking meant the city was growing up it meant it, that Aurora was getting out of that suburban shadow and becoming its own city. And there was so much energy and momentum behind that and the rail line that it was, it was hard to fail. 
just because there was so much support from uh, internal as, as well as all those neighborhood groups and business groups. So a lot of great guidance. Uh, what I love about our industry is that it was easy for me to pick up the phone to call my buddies in Denver and show up to the office sometimes in Denver and, and bounce ideas off of folks and talk to folks across the industry about lessons learned and, and how, to, how to introduce things. So building that network was key. And then obviously having that internal group was, was certainly important. Yeah, it sounds like you were set up to succeed. Great team around you, great opportunity. And now let's talk about this huge opportunity, City of Columbus. So the City of Columbus wins this Smart City Challenge. Most of our listeners are probably a little familiar with, with City of Columbus and the Smart City Initiative there. But I know the grant was, was awarded before you arrived, but let's talk about what you've had to come into as it pertains to parking in the Smart City Initiative. It was such an exciting opportunity to come into a city that back in 2016, 78 cities applied for this grant. It was a $40 million US DOT grant. And then there was $10 million from the Paul Allen Foundation. And 78 cities applied and Columbus won. And really the, the, the cornerstone of that project is to really look at how do, can mobility and transportation improve people's lives? How can we provide those ladders of opportunity to folks to make it to that appointment, whether it's prenatal assistance, uh, whether it's making, making it to that doctor's appointment, whether it's making it to that first job or that second job, making it to that interview. We have mobility-starved areas in Columbus, just like any other city. And we exposed a lot of our weaknesses and paired that with technology solutions and transportation to help further everyone's lives in Columbus. So coming into that is exciting. The, the cultural shift of innovation and testing and having people talk about transportation that normally wouldn't talk about it was such a great opportunity to walk into. There are eight USDOT funded projects as part of Smart Columbus, and one of those is a parking project. So the event parking management system is trying to meet those goals of driving economic growth, improving people's quality of life, fostering sustainability, and then improving safety. And, and again, isn't that what we do in parking all day long? So the, the event parking management system uh, will be launching in Q2 of, of 2020. And it is essentially combining on and off street parking availability, payment, and reservation when it comes to the off street. So working with our, with our great partners at Park Mobile, where we already have on street, working with our off street partners, kind of a little back in time here and going back to Charlotte a little bit, trying to put everything on one platform and then integrate with other multimodal options so that our public has a one-stop shop to say, What's the most efficient and equitable way for me to get point A, point B, and make sure that we've broken down as many barriers to using those forms of transportation as possible? Yeah, I think that's you know, obviously why you guys want it, what you talked about, just tying it back to the people at the end of the day. That's what city planners, city workers are here for. That's the, the residents and the citizens of their communities. And I read some of that about the, the food deserts and, and different things and using parking, mobility, transportation to, to bring these people together, to bring them to solve these issues. I like how you expose your weaknesses. You know, here's our problems. This is what we would do with the, with the money. This is how we would improve our city. And that was a great successful uh, 
bid. I think you can read the submission online, can't they? Yeah. So if you go to smartcolumbus.com, there's all kinds of great information on all eight projects. And what, one of the more interesting parts about this is we have been, we've been assigned by USDOT. So, so part of winning this, of getting the $40 million is to create a playbook so that any city could pick up that playbook and learn our failures and our successes and our step-by-step approach to how we're going to solve these issues in Columbus. And when you look at Columbus, it really is demographically reflective of the entire country. So in us winning this, any city could pick this playbook up at the end of the grant and say, this is what to do and what not to do, and this is how to get to the finish line. So I love that. Um, we're, we're excited to share that, you know, certainly from the parking standpoint with all of our peer cities, as well as the, all the vendors. And again, we're, all we're trying to do is improve folks' lives. Yeah, I, I love that. I'm a big believer in that's kind of why I do the podcast, sharing ideas, sharing information, connecting people. So I really like creating that playbook for other cities to use. And can you talk a little bit about the, what you guys did with the Short North parking plant? The, the Short North Arts District is one of the most vibrant areas, certainly in the city. And uh, it's right between downtown and then OSU's campus, Ohio State. And it was just experiencing tremendous growth. And the, the, the challenge of that area is tremendous growth on one corridor and then immediately adjacent to that, literally feet away from new mixed-use hotels and office buildings was single-family Victorian turn-of-the-century homes with no off-street parking. So there was just such a challenge with how do, we, how do you prioritize resident access, but how do you also recognize these are public streets? and that they serve so many different user groups. So we went through a pretty exhaustive effort with all the stakeholders, actually hired an outreach firm that, that didn't know anything about parking, but really was hired to get valuable feedback from the public on what are your pain points? What do we need to be thinking about as we try to manage parking for residents, visiting guests, businesses and employees and employers and visitors? And then what do we think about when we talk about other multimodal options, knowing that parking wasn't going to be the only solution. So what we put in play was a, uh, a brand new virtual permit system. We, we try to go as asset light as possible. We brought over 5,000 on-street parking spaces onto a virtual by license plate permit platform overlaid with mobile pay so that residents and businesses could purchase permits and park on the street but then visitors could also pay via mobile pay during certain hours of the day. And we were going to adjust rates based on demand. And we put all that into play in January of this year. Uh, we had our first demand-based pricing rate adjustment two weeks ago, where some rates went up and some rates went down based on whether they were above or below 80% average occupancy. And we leveraged all that you know, with, with LPR technology so that our enforcement officers could be more efficient. We added more enforcement, and that was the community wanting more, more enforcement during longer periods of time. So we added an entire third shift. We also created a parking benefit district, and that was really a key to adding all these regulations, increasing meter rates from $0.75 cents an hour to $2 an hour in the evening, and in the neighborhoods over $3 an hour to really encourage folks to use the meters as well as the garages was to create a parking benefit district where we are reinvesting excess meter revenue back into the neighborhood, 
back into transportation and mobility options, back into education to the public to show them it's great to drive a car short north and hear all your parking options, but there's also all these other transportation options. So uh, we, we've been at it for about seven, eight months now. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback. We, we continue to evaluate and modify. And, and now we're going to look at other areas of the city and do the same thing. Wow. Sounds like the, the shoot model to perfection there. Were you guys part of his, his follow-up book about where he talked about the different cities that have implemented his model? We weren't. However, uh, one day I was on LinkedIn and I got a message from Don Shoup and, and I, I ran down to my staff and said, okay, if Don Shoup's asking about the short North parking plan, that means done something right. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. that, that was, that was pretty, that, that was definitely cool. Look, at the end of the day, we know that the parking and mobility space is changing. If we're going to think that everything is a single space meter, everything is a static price, we, we have to innovate like everybody else. So to put all these new technologies in play and be asset light and, and to reinvest some of those revenues back into the neighborhoods was, was so important in one, getting folks to, to certainly come along. But also we knew that we, we had to innovate and test things in a very vibrant area. And to do that, sometimes you have to play with a little bit of parking money. So, so far, so good. Uh, we contract with our business improvement district in the short north, and they've done a tremendous job in educating folks and offering different mobility options, discounted bike share and ride share passes and, and group buys on garage parking that's not in the district but adjacent to the district. And, and just really providing folks with a number of solutions to get to and from the neighborhood. Yeah, and I'm starting to see more and more cities wanting to do this, asset light. I like that definition. You're in a, a city official serving the public. So what would you say to people that say, well, what about the, you know, the 5% of the community that's unbanked and doesn't have a credit card or, or a smartphone? You, know, you can't make everyone happy. You try to do the best to serve as many stakeholders as you, as you can. But what would you say to other cities that are maybe a little nervous about doing that just because of that small percentage of the population that's unbanked? For us, it's all about options. I'm, I'm not naive to think that we're going to be able to put mobile pay only everywhere. There'll have to always be, at least, at least in the near term, that, that physical point of sale. What, what we're in a great place to be in in Columbus through the Smart Columbus Project is one of those projects is the creation of a, of a common payment system where, to your point, Isaiah, the, the unbanked, whatever population that is, will have the ability to put funds on an account that actually our, our transit authority will, uh, will end up managing. And they'll be able to use that as a payment method when they use the Park Columbus app. So we're gonna be able to overcome that unbanked piece where people will still be able to transact. The other part that we hear is uh, most people have a smartphone, but not everyone has a data plan. So how do we make more publicly available Wi-Fi in those areas where we're putting in mobile pay so that we can overcome that barrier as well. Uh, we do have the 1-800 number. We, uh, we actually asked Park Mobile once we started how many transactions had occurred. We had well over 100,000 overall transactions and we had just over 70 transactions on the 1-800 number. So oh, it, wow. it's an option we provide, but generally people are able to use that smartphone option. So let's talk about, you said the dynamic pricing. So are you using sensors or like you mentioned earlier, are you using the data to do the uh, price changes, the dynamic pricing? 
Did you research San Francisco? What talk about your strategy implementing that dynamic pricing piece? Sure. With our first rate change, we leveraged our license plate recognition technology. We had officers go through and do parking counts. So of course they're enforcing day to day. Then we had them go on on separate routes and just count cars. And I've got an amazing staff that uh, we have planners and management analysts who are fluent in GIS. They can they can gather data out of a out of an LPR system and map it and analyze it. And we really leveraged that technology to come up with our first round of looking at parking occupancies and, and looking at that first rate adjustment. We also looked at payment data coming out of our mobile pay only zones. It's it's really valuable data. So when you don't have a physical point of sale on street and you're you're having everyone use that app, amazing by transaction data. But then we're also looking in the future at at sensors. We're we're currently in a pilot phase, started October, runs through the end of this year. We're testing out three different types of sensor technology to determine is that a good course of action? We believe based on talking to the San Franciscos of the world and, and all the other cities that have tried these things, it's really an all the above solution. It's not a, you have to put a sensor in every space or you should only use predictive analytics and use payment data and ticket data, but it's really a combination of a few. And by us testing the sensors now and looking at their accuracy and reliability and then continuing to pound the pavement on all the other data points we're receiving from all these different asset light approaches, we feel like we're going to come to some kind of solution that scalable and really offers customers that value to say, how are you going to trip plan? Should you be parking in this zone or is it red and you should go park in another zone or should you take another form of transportation? So we're really taking an all the above approach and we have again, leverage our relationships with the SF park team and others to, to really understand lessons learned there. Now, that's fascinating stuff. And how, how can listeners learn more? Is, there, is it online where they can read more about the parking plan? Or are you presenting this at a trade show? And a lot of people are interested in what's going on in Columbus. Uh, so for, for Short North itself, we've got a really great website, parkcolumbus.com. We have a whole page on the Short North. And we are trying to get our, get our story out more. So I'm trying to hit some regionals. And uh, also, you know, certainly IPMI annual, but absolutely, we're, we're also very accessible. Just give us a call, shoot us an email. We're such, especially on the municipal side, we all are dealing and grappling with the same issues. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter if you're New York City or Columbus or anywhere in between. Building those relationships, having those conference calls, meeting up at, at conferences and trainings and just trading stories is so invaluable. And it's when, again, just like we're creating that playbook for Smart Columbus, we're absolutely an open book when it comes to all these strategies. And on behalf of all the municipalities I represent, thank you, sir. Thank you, Columbus. And you mentioned IPMI. And congratulations, by the way, recently voted onto the board of directors at IPMI. So tell us about that. What was your platform for running? Sure. Um, and that was such a humbling experience. The nomination slate for the International Parking Mobility Institute Board of Directors was, was awe-inspiring. Um, so just to be on the slate was amazing, and then, and then to be voted by my peers was extremely humbling. But my, my platform was really centered around a couple things, and one was how do we emphasize the M? As we've changed from IPI to IPMI, 
which is so reflective of our industry as a whole, how do we make sure that our community has the educational opportunities and the training opportunities to be successful as our industry changes? So uh, whether it's strengthening state and regional associations, whether it's the great committee work that comes out of all the various committees and task forces for online trainings and tools, the annual conference, all these different things, how do we make sure that our constituency is going to be successful in the future? And then the other piece is, as we broaden from parking to parking mobility and parking mobility and really just transportation, how do we partner with those other organizations? Often we are, in cities in particular, the push and pull factors of working with a, a transportation division. And guidance coming out of NACTO or ULI or, or other organizations about the curb lane. And, and how do we partner with those organizations to, to make sure that we're all moving forward together and that there isn't some dictation from some group that the curb lane needs to be X and, and we as practitioners of the curb lane are saying Y, strengthening those bonds so that we can all be successful in the yeah, and I think it's been paying it off already. You know, the mobility, adding that into it, it's been a great move by IPMI. In fact, I'm now on the mobility task force, so there's new committees opening up to further that mobility movement. Lastly, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't bring up your cute twins there. So tell us about your twins and their love for parking. So I have uh, almost seven-year-old twins, Ari and Kayla, and I brainwashed them, I guess. Um, they they love parking. They uh, they were on site as we were building our first parking garage in Aurora with their Bob the Builder hard hats, and they, they, they still remember that. They've already written their first parking ticket here in Columbus. One of the best stories I have is uh, I was show and tell about a year or two ago at their preschool, brought in an IPS meter, showed them all, all that cool technology of the coin dropping in and time being, time being added and the, and the light going from red to green. I brought two parking signs. I brought a green sign and a red sign. And the red sign had a tow-away zone placard at the bottom. And I asked them a very simple question. Should you park in the green area or the red area? And, and everyone raised their hand and said, of course, the green area. The red area is bad. And, and you know, they're, again, they're, there's that tow-away zone placard at the bottom. A couple weeks pass, and I'm picking up my kids. And, and one of their good friends stops me and says, Mr. Farron, my dad parked in a red zone. He got his car towed. <laughs> and the first thing I thought was, I just hope it wasn't us that towed them. Um, but that was probably the, the best takeaway from a bunch of five-year-olds. They got it. So um, hopefully everyone else gets it too at some point. Well, it's funny because they, they were, what, five, six years old at the time? And some of them can't even read, but they see the image, they see the red, they know that's, that's not right. But we still have people daily in all our cities that, that keep doing it. Absolutely. Uh, Robert? Thank you so much for being on the on the show on the podcast. I'm I love how you represent our municipalities out there, and just continue to to make waves and appreciate your service to IPMI board. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Isaiah, for having me, and and thank thank you for this podcast. I've found these podcasts to be to be so educational, almost like mini conferences on the road. So uh, thank you. I love it. Yeah, it's like. Instead of having to go to state and regional, you can kind of listen to a session while in traffic. So, so there you have it. Absolutely. All right, Robert. Have a good one, man. All right. Thanks, Isaiah. 
to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks. One thing, pardon me, hold on. <coughs> Fighting allergies, that'll be edited. <coughs> IPMI's call for awards is open until November 15, 2019. Now's the time to recognize your best people, projects, and programs. Visit parking-mobility.org for more information and to submit your nominations today.